0: I'm Jo dawson Gerard, and on today's Back Your People, I'm talking with Heather Lunny, an Associate Director from our Employment Team, about managing behaviour at work. We look at some of the key categories for bad and poor behaviour, provide some examples, and make some suggestions on what you can do to help certain situations. If you like this podcast, please follow, rate and review. And as ever, thanks for listening. So Heather, I read the other day that a study of... 300 UK employers showed that 44.9% of UK businesses have experienced inappropriate behaviour from their employees at some point. It wasn't actually as many as I thought, but this did shock me. Around 40.7% have actually had to fire someone as a result. Now, this got me thinking. Inappropriate behaviour, it's a very wide term. How would you, if you could categorise that into several sort of blocks, what would they be?
1: I think you're right. It is a very wide spectrum, probably break it down into three categories. So you've got firstly, bad behaviour or deliberate behaviour. Secondly, you've got difficult or challenging behaviour in the workplace. And then thirdly, odd behaviour. And sometimes, whilst I've taken a very broad brush, three distinct categories, you often will find that each will merge into the other in some way.
0: I see. Now, the third one is of particular interest to me because it shouts out odd behaviour, perhaps mental health issues. And Mind published a survey a while back, which actually said that one in four HGV drivers will at some point experience mental health issues. So looking at the three categories you've mentioned, presumably as an employer, the first thing you have to do is work out which one the behaviour you're dealing with falls into. Absolutely. And again, it's looking at that conduct.
1: So in terms of bad behaviour or deliberate behaviour, again, that can be a really wide spectrum and it can range from things like employees' pinching toilet rolls from the staff bathrooms, <laughs> it's happened, I you bet. laugh, to fighting at work or turning up to work drunk or under the influence. It can be a really wide spectrum relating or going from sort of you lower sort of misconduct offences right up to the more serious gross misconduct. But it's generally deliberate behaviour.
0: Yeah, the driving whilst under the influence at work, we did a webinar on it this week actually. Have you advised on that often? We do. I'm not saying it's
1: a daily occurrence, the number of calls we take, you know, week in, week out, but it is something that comes up on occasions. We had one recently where the driver was out doing a delivery. and and obviously all the vehicles and everything are tracked now, he'd done the delivery and then they'd received a report from a member of the public who complained or was notifying us that he was driving a bit erratically. So when they tracked him, it showed that he'd gone home, taken the vehicle home, which is unusual in itself, parked there for a short while and then was on his way back to the depot. Now, when he arrived back, they met him at the gates and he was slurring his words. He was a bit unsteady on his feet. So they breathalysed him and he was about four times over the limit. Rousers. Now, the employee claims that he'd arrived at work, he'd done his day's work and then he'd gone home. That's when he'd had a drink before driving back to the depot. So still serious offence. Can't quite ascertain whether that's correct or not whether that period of time that he was at home was enough to cause him to be that much over the limit or whether he'd in fact started his shift but in any event he was obviously dealt with accordingly following investigation and proceeding through disciplinary
0: could have had quite serious ending there and uh, it was fortunate that, that wasn't the case now moving on to examples of difficult behavior Difficult and challenging
1: behaviour is probably the most more difficult of a category to deal with because you're looking at things sort of like negativity, poor attitude, cutting corners perhaps, generally moody, if I can put it like Mm -hmm. that, or rude. And it's sometimes it's that employee that just doesn't necessarily always fit within the team, but you can't always pinpoint a specific misconduct allegation or a gross misconduct allegation. And that can be really difficult for employers to manage. We had an example of an employee that generally was a good employee, but we started receiving complaints from customers that they were delivering to that general attitude was sort of arrogant, rude, and generally unhelpful when delivering into depots on the face of it, you could just deal with that as a straightforward misconduct issue. What you've got to consider, I think, in those types of scenarios is, you know, what's prompted that behaviour? Because if they've otherwise been a good employee, what's changed?
0: Which brings us to our third category, which is odd behaviour.
1: Yeah, and these are the two that generally sometimes overlap. So your odd behaviour can be things that you notice a general change in behaviour with your staff. And we've had some quite extreme examples. So, Go on, give us (laughs) some. So probably one of the most extreme. So a driver was often seen talking to himself out loud and reciting the same poem over and over again. Now, that's not what we would class as normal, is it? No. Necessarily. But things like employees that are displaying paranoia or some form of ocd or yeah it's those
0: kind of things that you're looking out for i have come across that before pencil liner Mm. at work that just done you weren't allowed to touch anything on his desk he'd go absolutely crazy you. Uh, and and if they've always been like
1: that it may be something that they suffer with and that fits within the workplace and obviously on the more extreme end, it can amount to a disability and you've got to make adjustments for that. I think where we're looking at it from is where there's a change in behaviour. Yes. Rather than, we've always known they were like that from the outset, they suffer with OCD. It's those
0: when the behaviour changes. You've really got to keep your ear to the ground, haven't you? Yeah, and
1: I think keeping an open mind generally... As I say, those two, the difficult and challenging behaviour and then the more odd behaviour, they can sometimes be mistaken for each other. And then obviously the bad behaviour examples we gave, it's important to determine what it is we're potentially dealing with.
0: Is it deliberate or is it something else? So how does an employer manage these types of behaviour and what does the law say?
1: So in terms of bad behaviour where there's a misconduct. So the pinching loo rolls from the works yeah. toilets, we'll take that as an example. Someone's deliberately chosen to commit that conduct. Presumably that's theft, straight it's up. It's theft. Yeah. No matter what the value is, it's theft. Mm-hmm. You do your investigation, and then if there's a case to answer, you'd proceed to disciplinary. That's probably the most easiest okay behaviour to manage. And that 40.7% that you... Referred to at the outset of having dismissed people as a result of bad behaviour or inappropriate behaviour, the majority of those I suspect will be from those types of cases, yeah. the misconduct, the gross misconduct cases.
0: What about the difficult slash challenging employee?
1: <laughs> it's not necessarily something you can pinpoint as a case requiring disciplinary action or for somebody to d- be dismissed. Mm-hmm. I think the main thing is you will sometimes have those employees that just don't fit within your business. Now, if they are a new starter, for instance, that's a classic example of what you'd perhaps use your probationary period for. Yeah, it's just wrong hire. Yeah, if they come in and it's quite evident early on that they're the wrong hire, they don't fit, they don't fit within your team, your values, then that's what your probationary period can be used for and you can probably dismiss quite relatively risk-free with contractual or statutory notice. If you've got somebody that's obviously over two years service and they've acquired unfair dismissal rights, then that becomes more difficult. What I would say is don't ignore it. So if you've got somebody with a general negative attitude at work, it's easy to brush that off as, well, it's just their personality, but that can affect others in the team it can lower workplace morale having that what we would call the bad apple Mm. almost in the
0: workplace they can really erode other team members self-esteem can't they yeah and it's about addressing it with them
1: i think in the first instance if you ignore it you're sending out a message that actually it's acceptable but the best way of improving a situation usually Lies in having a clear understanding of it and especially what's causing that behaviour. You know, I keep saying about a change in behaviour. If it's a change in behaviour, there's a reason for that. And what we want to understand is what that reason is. And we can't do that without communicating with the employee and addressing it with them. And communication is obviously key, isn't it? Keeping a log of what they've said as well. Establish a pattern maybe. Those conversations or, you know, if you're getting complaints, for instance, from other staff members or clients, perhaps, keeping a log of all that, it could be a crossover with the kind of odd behaviour scenario that lends itself more to potential mental health issues. It might not be, but Until you have those conversations, you're not necessarily going to know. And if it's not, and it's just a behavioral sort of trait, then giving clear feedback after obtaining those facts about what you expect and giving them that opportunity to improve. Now, ultimately, they may not do. And then you've got to look at how you resolve the situation. We often get clients that will say, I've just had enough of this employee and have done nothing to address it. Now, that's more difficult than if you can demonstrate you've had conversations. You've kept a log. You've kept a log. You know, there's potentials to have what we call protected conversations, where it's a conversation that, look, this just isn't working out. And how can we come to a mutual resolution? That usually involves the employee leaving and us paying him some form of
0: financial settlement. Yes, I see. But boundaries, presumably, setting clear expectations and boundaries, a bit like we do with our children, <laughs> yeah, are, exactly. is also something that should be done
1: yeah. in this. Setting firm expectations and being clear about what certain behaviours are and aren't acceptable. And then moving on to odd behaviour. Again, communication, speak to the employee, find out if there's anything underlying that we need to be aware of, which is manifesting itself in this behaviour at work if it's on the more extreme end you would probably bring in some sort of medical assessment at that stage occupational health would be your obvious port of call because it could very well be a mental health issue particularly if this is something that's changed over time
0: can an employer do that for all employees or does the right have to be in the contract The employees will always have to
1: consent to an occupational health assessment. So even if your contracts say we reserve the right to refer you for a medical assessment Mm -hmm. at our cost, which is usually the case, they still have to consent to that assessment and they still have to consent to that report being released to us. If they don't consent, then potentially they are in breach of contract but we can't force them to have that medical. I often say if they won't consent to the medical or they won't consent to the report being released once it's been... Big red flag. It's a big red flag yes. because <laughs> it generally means that there's something there that they don't want you to find out.
0: Mm. Or that they should have told you before and they didn't.
1: Potentially, yes. And then, again, that's difficult, isn't it? Because what do we do with them? And it's a case of assessing whether they are fit to be at work.
0: And, a risk. and we're not medical
1: yeah. experts. No. So we can only go off then the information that we have and our own internal risk assessments without the benefit of medical advice, which becomes very difficult in itself.
0: But the implications of getting it wrong, there is a massive scale, isn't it? You've got right at the, perhaps one end it being a little bit awkward at work mm. to the unhappy customers or perhaps loss of business, right to the other end where a significant accident could happen. We've seen that historically, haven't
1: we? We have, yes. Those are the implications of getting it wrong. That usually comes from not dealing with something at an earlier stage, perhaps. Not picking up on those
0: signs. So coming to the end of our chat now, Heather, as ever, I'd like to hear Heather's three top (laughs) tips on uh, proactively managing behaviour at work, please. I think
1: first of all, I'd say make sure you're proactively managing your staff and any behaviours that they exhibit or changes in behaviours that you notice. Communication, as I say, is often key. Communicating with the employee and listening carefully, keeping your ears to the ground. Secondly, keeping an open mind and Mm -hmm. looking at the bigger picture. Not everything that what appears on the face of it straightforward is always the case. Yeah. There might be something else going on in the background. Some so, things are not as they seem. Not as they seem, Joe. That was what <laughs> I was searching for, the
0: phrase that I was searching Heather, for. It's much easier when you're sat listening to uh, say what the other person means.
1: <laughs> Thirdly, I would say keep records of everything. Make sure you keep, I always refer to as an audit trail. If you're having these conversations with employees, make sure you record them. Not saying they have to be formal, minuted meetings. Meetings, but a note of your conversation and a note of you know what's been discussed and what's been agreed. Make sure that you keep all that on file, so that if you ever need to rely on it, it's all there. There's nothing worse than a blank file when you're trying to argue that we've been discussing this for the last six months and nothing's changed, and And you've got no evidence of it.
0: You really think at the time you'll remember, but crikey, you forget. You do. (laughs) You do forget, don't you? Well, thanks, Heather. That's been really interesting. Look forward to speaking to you next time. Thanks, Jo.